0: Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, we are uh, just excited that you're here and spend a little time of your weekend with us. And you know, I love when we get the opportunity to uh, to celebrate people that taking big steps in their relationship with Christ. And and this week, we want to celebrate with uh, a special lady named Sarah Todd who gave her life to Christ just this past week. And we got a picture of her. We're going to put it on the screen, and we just want to celebrate with Sarah and, and her taking that big step. It's awesome. It's really great. Uh, now, today is all about, we're in this series called Deeper Joy, and today is all about how is joy possible when it feels like it's not? We're going through the book of Philippians in the New Testament, and, and we're landed in chapter 2 today, but there, there are all types of things that get in the way of your joy and my joy, whether it's situations at home or at work or your relationships, but the thing that I, I want to address today is the thing that you can control there's a lot of stuff that you that you have zero control over but there's one thing that you absolutely can control and that is your grumbling in this series we're looking basically at at uh, we're exploring eight keys to chasing deeper joy in your life and the truth that we're going to own today is that the humble don't grumble We're gonna we're gonna work on this one. We're gonna really work on it. Let me tell you something. I uh, I, I grumble, and I know you're shocked about that, but uh, I do. I grumble, and and probably the biggest thing I grumble about is traffic. I'm just not a traffic guy. I do not I do not feel the joy of the Lord when I'm sitting and looking at taillights, and uh, I, you know people that just can't like figure out. The, the speed limit, you know, if, if it's 55 miles an hour, that really means 62. I mean, I figure the police give you five, I take two extra, and we, we're rolling, you know, we're good. But, uh, but and, and I have one, one area in particular that I grumble about, and, and that is some of you are like, oh man, amen to that. But when you are coming off of the Gene Snyder and you exit onto New Cut Road and you're going to turn right towards the church, that is a turn lane. You do not have to stop. Now, some of you are, are clapping for that because you do it once a week as you're coming to church. I do that every day. And every day, there's somebody that can't get with the program. They've got an Indiana license plate. <laughs> and, we, and we just, we pray for you. It's, it's not a sin, but it ought to be. It's just not good. That's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. But I will, I'll tell you, there are some unholy things that come out of me in those moments. And it's not a big deal. But, uh, but w- as we start, as we look at this, this section, that the only thing I can control is my attitude and not having a grumbling spirit. And we look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, and I want to look at a few things that Jesus' life does. And, and the changes that he wants to make in your life, starting now. Number one is, is that Jesus makes selfish people servants. There's something that changes in a person's life, or should. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, a lot of us, we, we look at that, you know, we, we celebrate Sarah, we get to celebrate different people that you know, take that first step towards Jesus and say, I accept him as my savior, I want to be baptized, you know, and... and, and The temptation is to think that that is the destination. Now, I've made the decision to follow Christ, and now that's it. But the truth is, it's just the beginning point. And one of the major things that that God wants to do in your life, and Jesus is going to do through your life as His Spirit is working in you, is He will move you from everything's all about me to everything's all about what I can do for others. He makes selfish people servants. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2, starting in the first verse. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? You know, are, are you encouraged at all that, that you belong to Jesus? Is there any comfort from his love? Y'all have any fellowship together in the spirit? Are, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Well, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose and don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble and that's what just underline that in, in our minds be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves and don't look out for only your own interests but take an interest in others too. I just think it's interesting, I've, I had this series planned out months ago, and we knew where we were going to go every single week for months, and uh, you know, John had invited Evan to come and speak, and I, I kind of knew that was happening, but I, you, know, didn't, you don't always put all the pieces together, And I just think it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works uh, through the teaching of his word that we have uh, a guest that's here speaking about how we can make a difference in the lives of children around the world. organization called compassion international and that's where we land today i didn't do that on purpose but i just think that's pretty cool but here's here's the challenge with this with this passage is we were born into this world and 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 this is all that we know and so the the way that people behave and the way we treat one another and the kind of cultures that we create we tend to think that this is this is normal this is just the way that life is. This is the way we behave. And you need to know that sin entered our world and broke it. That it is not the way that God intended it to be. Every once in a while we get little glimpses, you know, these little holy moments. I think sometimes if we come together as God's people and we worship and we, we feel things and we see things and God is moving among us, and we almost get this little, this little glimpse of of heaven, you know, this this tiny little glimpse of this feels right. This feels like what God wants. But on the whole, the reason that your life is so hard and the reason that it 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 really stinks most of the time and the reason we get so frustrated and why do things have to be this way is because it's not the way it was supposed to be. It's broken. Sin wrecked it. And and so what feels maybe normal to us as we just go through the, the ins and outs of our day. In our lives, what seems normal to us is abnormal to God. It's not what He wanted. It is not the way that He set up the world to be. And what He is saying to us is that the the prevailing mood of the world is selfishness. that's, That's the go to for all of us. Everybody asks the question what do I benefit? How do I gain? What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? You know, what, what, and, and as a result, we, we use and abuse people rather than love and serve people. And we think that that's normal. We think that that's the way it is. And so Jesus comes down from the kingdom of God and he brings the culture of the kingdom with him. He says this is the way that it was intended to be. And the culture of God's kingdom is not selfishness. It is servanthood. It is you are meant to lay down your lives for one another out of love. It's very different than the rest of the world. That's why Jesus said in Mark 10, he says, Among you, it will be different. You gotta, you got, We can't miss this. You know, when, when I'm called to follow Jesus, I'm not called to be a part of the world anymore. I'm not called to, to go along with the, the patterns of the world. He says, Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you, you want to... You want to be a mover and shaker in the kingdom of God? You want to be someone who's being used effectively by God? Well, then you've got to be a servant. Learn how to serve. And whoever wants to be first among you, well, you've got to learn to be a slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, Jesus said, saying, even me, I came not to be served. I came to serve others and to give my life As a ransom for many. So if we're going to be like Jesus. If we're going to have deeper joy in our lives. We have to learn humility. It's a non-negotiable. If you want to have purpose. And you want to live joyful lives. in In your home. You think about the relationships you have under your roof. In your home. If everybody there has the mentality of, I am here to serve. I am here to consider your needs above my own. You know, I'm going to put you first. If that is the the tone of the home, it's going to be a joy-filled environment. It's going to be a wonderful place, and the kingdom of heaven will come down into your home. But if the attitude is one of selfishness, it's all about me and all about me getting what I want, and I want to be you know, everything go my way, then it's going to be a less cheerful environment. So what Jesus wants is he wants to serve you, and he wants to teach you how to serve. That's the example that he sets. You learn how to serve others so that you can have a healthy, loving relationship with God and with one another. I made this quick little chart for you. I want you to think about this. I know, I know people. I can think of marriages, friendships, you know, parent-child relationships, you know, all kinds of... I can think of people in every one of these categories, but there are three kinds of relationships. When you have a selfish person and, and another selfish person, what you end up there is a competitive relationship. That's where it's all about points. And it's all about who wins. And how do I get what I want? And I'm, I'm you know, manipulating or I'm navigating. I'm trying to figure out how can I get the edge on you. I'm always trying... It's, it's scorekeeping. When you have a relationship with a selfish person and a servant, you end up with a cruel relationship. One person is always a doormat. The other person is always getting what they want because everything is focused on them. You know they are the king or the queen of the universe, and you're there to serve. And you should just be thankful that you know you're blessed with my presence. It's it's cruel. It's 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 not it's not what God intended. But when you have a servant and another servant, both people who are saying, "I'm here for you. I'm putting your needs above my own." You know, for better or for worse, richer for poorer, all those things. When, when you have two people, you have a close relationship. The best, healthiest, healthiest relationships, marriage, marriages, friendships, you know, parenting, all those things are with two people who are saying, we, we want to care for one another and serve each other. Here's what I'm, what I'm telling you this week. If you want to have a great week, I, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but I, I, I do. When I come here on Sunday morning, I always think I'm starting my week out with my friends. You know, with my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're here to pray. We want to sing some songs together. We want to, you know, just spend a, spend a little time so that it kind of starts my week off on a good foot. I want to have a great week. You know, I, wanna, I want what God wants for me, and, and, and that's, I want to set the tone for the week, right? That's why, part of why I come here. And hopefully you do too. You say, I want to have a great week this week. I want what God wants for my week. How do you do that? Think, Think this way. How can I serve? How can I be somebody who is looking out for the needs of others? What could I do that's going to make a difference? How can I help? And you, you'll be enjoying the same, the same example that Jesus gave. And if, you will, if you'll take that, that posture and if you will have that mentality starting today to say this week I'm going to consider the needs of others above my own. That's what I'm going to do. And if everyone in your home has that attitude of we are, we are grateful, we are uh, blessed, we're highly favored by God, You know, we're thankful for one another, we're thankful for what God is doing in our lives and in our family. If you take that attitude, it changes the entire dynamic of the home, changes everything. People say, you know, I just, I wish, we, I wish we had a better situation at home. I wish we were happier. I wish we were more loving. I wish we had a better whatever, blah, blah, blah. Fill in the blank. It's no secret. This is what it is humility. It's all about humility. And, and this is what I'm telling you. Jesus came to set this example for us. This is what he said I came not to be served, but to serve. And you're going to follow in my footsteps. And to give us an example of, of, and provide the opportunity for us to have healthy marriages, healthy families, a healthy amount of joy in our lives. And Paul says that in our text in Philippians 2. You look at verse 5, he says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You want deeper joy? You want to experience this life? You have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Even though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You know, like a lot of us, I was watching some of the uh, things happening over in, uh, over in England. You know, Queen Elizabeth passing away. And I heard a lot of great stories about her life and things that she'd done and those sort of things. But it's interesting, you watch her son, Charles, now becoming King Charles. And, and those sort of things. But it's, it's, it's weird for us as Americans, because I'm sitting here and everybody's in, ingrained in this. Like, oh, man. Have you been keeping up with what's happening with the king? Have you been keeping up with the royal family? And I think, well, I mean, as an American, I haven't had to care about the royal family since July 4th, 1776. (laughs) But but yeah, it's kind of interesting, I guess. But but you look at all the pomp and circumstance and the crowns and the robes and the parades and the things and all this sort of, right? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I I think I read this scripture and I think about this would be as if, you know, Charles would... Lay down his crown and say, no, no, I don't need this. I'm rejecting all of this. <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm going to reject all of this because I want to serve. Let me go down to the soup kitchen. Let me go serve. Uh, you know, let, me, let me go down to the homeless shelter and find some people really in need and find ways that I can help them. This is not about me. This is exactly what Jesus did. You want to have joy in your life? You have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not Think of equality with God as something to cling to, something to hold on to. I've got to be high and lifted up and elevated in every way. He took the humble position of a slave, came to serve. Circumstances can humiliate you. You can be humiliated through something that happens to you, but only you can humble you. Circumstances are not going to humble you. We'll say that. Oh, man, I was... Some, this happened in my life, it really humbled me. No, that, that thing did not humble you. It may have humiliated, you may have embarrassed you, but only you can humble yourself. Only you have that kind of control. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to death on the cross. And, and again, he's, he's comparing and contrasting the, the culture, the world out there. And the kingdom of God that rules and reigns over all. And, and what he's saying is in the world that we live, it's, it's common for people to honor and, and value and pursue pride and arrogance. We want to be number one. We want to be important in the eyes of other people. So, so we use words like self-esteem and, and self-improvement, and self-actualization, and, and self-help, and all those are different ways of saying that I can take care of me. I got this. I don't need you. I don't need them, and I don't need him. I got this, and there's a pride to that. This is a choice. Joy, joy is a choice. It's something that we choose. You want deeper joy? You got to choose deeper joy. Happiness if we're really going to split hairs here, happiness is what happens to you when everything happens that you want to have happened. When all those things happen, you can be happy. Everything fell into place just the way that I wanted, and therefore I can be happy. But joy is a, joy is a choice. You choose that, and you choose it because you're choosing humility. Now, let me say a few things about humility. I first want to say, say this. All of us are in the process of pursuing, of pursuing humility. If you ever come across somebody who says, "Yeah, I uh, I used to I used to not be humble, but but then I fixed it," they they win the prize for being the least humble person in the world. You know that's that's not the way that it works. I uh, I remember being in Bible college, <coughs> and when I was in when I was in school, they made us uh, everybody had to be part of a Bible study group. So we're in these little small groups with other students. And uh, there's one guy that was just so, he was just so cocky and so arrogant. He's always, you know, wanting to compare and be the best and all those sort of things. And I remember one day we were talking about the topic of, of you know, being humble like Christ and blah, blah, whatever. And, uh, and, and he made, he's sitting there and said, oh, dude, you, you guys don't even, you don't even understand. I'm, I'm like the most humble guy you've ever met. Like, you, you, get, the, you get the award, dude. You you get the award for not only are you not humble, you're you're also like a lot of other things, and but none of them are humble, you know. But uh, nobody nobody wants to be nobody wants to be that person's friend, you know. I mean, there's just nothing about that that's like, oh yeah, that's that's just that, that just really attracts me in a way that I, I just want to be around this person. Humility, if you want a good definition, has been said before, but humility is not thinking less of yourself is thinking of yourself less that's really what it is it's not that oh now I I, you know I'm a loser and I I think that I'm a loser all the time and and all that that's not that's not about having low self-esteem or thinking that you you know can never win or anything like that humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less so that you can think of God and, and others more you know, how can I be used of God? And here's some comparisons and, and some contrasts between pride and humility. Pride, you read the scriptures over and over again, we're told that pride is our greatest enemy. Pride comes before the fall, scripture says. Humility is our greatest friend. Pride, we, we compare ourselves to others and we can feel a little arrogant. Humility is we compare ourselves to Jesus, and we're really humbled by that. Pride criticizes the success of others, where humility celebrates the success of others. Pride is about me. Humility is about Jesus. It's about other people. Pride leads to arrogance. Humility leads to confidence. It's that with God's help, I know that I'm capable of doing Everything that God has empowered me to do. Pride leads to independence. You know, I don't need anybody, I don't need God, I don't need you. I can figure this out on my own. I've got this, I've got what it takes. Me, 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 I, I, I. Humility says, I I need the Lord. I need him every hour. And I need you. I I don't want to be alone. I need help. I'm not okay by myself. We're meant for relationship. Pride uh, is, is a destination. And let me let me just say this: you can get there, you can arrive at pride. But humility is a direction that we need to continually seek and pursue. We're all in the process. We are a, a nation of grumblers. We, we love it. That's why, we're, that's why we're fighting all the time. No one wants to be humble. We all want to be number one. We all want to be right. And So my opinion is better than your opinion. And here's why I've got 15 reasons why you're wrong. And We, we're, we, we love to debate and argue. We, nobody wants to serve each other. We don't want to understand other people. We, we have a very hard time with oneness and unity. Very difficult time with that. The only time that this country ever comes together on anything is when we have a common enemy. When we're attacked or there's bloodshed, war, those sort of things, oh, that, that's, that's, that's something we can all get behind. How sad is that? How sad is that? That the only time that we can ever agree on anything and come together as one is, is when there's tragedy. And this is what Paul challenges us with. You want joy? Well, there's a oneness to it. There's a level of unity where you love one another. You be of one mind, be of one purpose. You know what our problem is? The reason reason we're angry and the reason we're unhappy and the reason we don't have much joy and we're always chasing, 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 chasing the carrot on the stick or whatever. The reason is because there's something we want that we aren't getting. Not content. Something that we want that we aren't getting there's you know maybe it's a i want I want respect from this person and i 'm not getting respect maybe uh, you say I just want him to I just want him to come home because we 've talked about this ten times and you promised and you won 't come home on time, and I just want you you know I, that's what that's what I want or i just want to I want a fair shot i 'm not being recognized for my achievements or my potential or I want credit for my ideas. I want, you know, I want this. I'm upset and I'm frustrated and I want some joy, but I'm not getting it. And the root of it is not out there. The root of it's in here. I'm unhappy. I have no joy because I'm not content. I'm just telling you, if you can, if you can pause in that moment, if you can learn to have that kind of control, right? Where you, where you feel that frustration building, or that anger, or that rage, or whatever word you want to use. When that starts rising, if you can pause in the moment and recognize, you know what the problem is? The problem's with me. It's not about that person. It's not about this thing or this event. that's not the problem. The problem's me. And see, parents, this should be so natural for us. We should get this better than anyone else because if you're a parent and you have two little kids, if you have two little kids at any point in your life, you, you have two small little children, <clears throat> there will be a moment where you're driving and you got one hand on the wheel and the other hand is going like this. You're like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut and you're, and you're slapping around and you're trying to get their attention and you're saying, stop, be quiet, and your kids are back there negotiating. Well, he said, well, she did this and he did it and they're back and forth and you're saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You guys shut up. It does not matter. I don't need to be the judge right now. I'm just the jury. Be quiet and you're both guilty. Just be quiet back there. And 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 you know, put your hands in your own lap. Whatever. Why is that? Is because you as a parent, you you know that the problem isn't really about something that happened. It's not the the problem is not that, you know, well he picked his nose or she's, you know, Touched my leg, or she did. What? That's that's not the problem. The problem is not that. The problem is there are two kids in the back seat, and they both want something, and they're not getting it. They're not getting exactly what they want. Tim Keller uh, said this on Twitter. I, I love this quote. He says, "True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience and every conversation with myself. I stop thinking about myself altogether." What what does the Bible say? What does God's word have to say about being humble? That's it. That's a great definition. So well, I stop connecting every single thing in my life to me. How many of your conversations are you talking to somebody and at some point it ends up circling back to yourself? Somebody can be telling you a story about, you know, whatever, something in life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've done that too. Or let me tell you about a time that I was in that situation. Or let me tell you about something that I know. Or here's my opinion on that. Or, you know, you, I, I know that you said this, but let me, let me interject what I think now. That's where we stop doing that. But we don't feel the need to connect every single thing right back to myself. Paul said in verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What was Jesus' attitude? What do we see from him when he doesn't get his own way? he doesn't grumble he just doesn't Uh, it's one thing we never see jesus do we never see him grumble stupid people i don't know what's wrong with you he had more than enough opportunity to do that but uh, when people who were close to him were letting him down he didn't grumble he may have pointed them back to something else hey you've heard this you know this he doesn't, he doesn't grumble. Now, now, here's the good news. This, this life of humility, this life that brings us joy, it, it's not a life where we always get the short end of the stick on everything. It's actually the path for God to reward us. This is why it's, it just seems backward. It doesn't seem right. We think, well, if I, if I don't think of myself, then who's going to think of me? Who's going to ever think about me? Who's going to ever care about me? God. God cares for you. God is the one who says, I know plans I have for you. I'm on your side. Paul finishes out this section of Philippians 2 by saying, well, Jesus, you know, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death on a cross. So therefore, well, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And he gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord The glory of the Father. I think it's fascinating how true that verse is, because people who even that have no belief that Jesus is—they don't want Jesus to be their savior at all—and yet the name of Jesus bears so much weight. The 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 name God. I mean, what do we say when we hit our thumb with a hammer? You know, somebody out in the world. What what kind of if we're going to attach some kind of uh, you know four letter word to it? What do we? We don't say oh Buddha. We don't do that. It's the name above every other name. Because even people outside of Christ recognize that there's some, there's some power to this. This carries a little weight. Jesus is exalted to the highest place of honor. He, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And through his sacrifice, through his service, we all honor and we serve him for eternity. So the important part to remember about all of this, to kind of wrap this up in a bow today, is that as followers of Jesus, we aren't the exception, we're the example. We aren't the ones who say, well, I've been forgiven, I've been blessed, and so you know I'm kind of like this rich, spoiled kid that gets to run off and have everything that I want all the time because my Father in Heaven is just going to take care of that. We're, we're not the exception, we're the example. I know way too many Christians who look down their nose at other people. And, and there's something in us that likes to compare, and we lean towards Pride. We see someone struggling, and the primary thought, the first thought is, oh, can you imagine? You look at them. Can you imagine? I would never. And may I remind you? We we see other people say, what a a mess their life is. Can I remind you that that's exactly what you would be outside of Jesus Christ? But for the grace of God, if it weren't for the grace of God in your life, You'd be a mess, too. And we are no better. We are no better than those around us. Our role is to be an example to the world of what God can do with a broken and busted up life. I was messed up. I was a mess once, too. And this is what God has done through me. It's all about him. Not about me. Not about what I did. It's about what he did through me. That's humility. And the only way that that's ever going to get translated out to the world And we say, this is what God did for me. The only way the the world is ever going to hear that is when we're humble. Because nobody likes a show off. Nobody wants to hear about how wonderful your life is. to see your pictures on Instagram about how too blessed to be stressed. And, you know, I'm out on the beach. being Jesus, thank Jesus for this wonderful beach. And the thousands of dollars that I get to spend because I've got extra income. Nobody wants to hear about that. Nobody cares. All that does is drives wedges. May our highest goal, may our greatest prayer be, Lord, hide my life behind the cross. May they see you. Somebody looks at me. May they get some some glimpse of Jesus. He, He said this in Matthew 23, verse 12. Our Lord said, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You will be exalted eventually. Now, who knows? It may be next week at the job interview. The Lord may lift you up right then and say, yep, yeah, here it is. Here's an opportunity. You, you have been faithful, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. It may be a, after a decade of faithful, being faithful to God. I don't know. It will certainly be in the life to come. It will definitely, at some point in your future, you will be elevated. But if we want to elevate our interest, if we're elevating our desires, elevating our opinions, it's all about me, I connect everything to myself, I'm right, I'm the smartest person in the room, you don't know anything until I've told you what what you need to know, I'm always thinking of myself, me, me, me. Eventually, God looks at you and says, hmm, it's time to bring you down to earth a little bit. You need to be humbled. Maybe America is having the problems we're having right now because we've been too prideful. and God's brought us down. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But here's the cool thing. Whoever humbles himself, whoever chooses the low place, whoever chooses to look out for the interests of others and to serve others as Jesus served us and they don't always insist on getting their own way, getting their own opinion, getting their own views out there. Whoever humbles themselves, Jesus says, you will be exalted because God says, there's a life I can work with. There's somebody's. you've got your head on straight. You're, You're moving in the direction that I want you to move. I can build on that. There's a life that, Can take more responsibility. Uh, That's a life that can take more reward. That's a life that can take more blessing. And he elevates us. But you make the choice. It's your choice. You want to exalt yourself and grumble about everything else that isn't right according to your own interests or what you think it should be like. You want to keep on grumbling and keep on elevating yourself and keep on thinking that you've got it all figured out. And watch how your life goes on a downward trajectory. Or do you want to humble yourself to the place of Jesus and watch and wait? When he will exalt you, he will lift you up in due time. When you get this right, when you, when you finally get this, when you get, get there, there is a joy that permeates your life and it transcends circumstances. Because it doesn't matter what's happening around me. I choose joy. It doesn't matter how disappointed I might be. I choose joy doesn't matter how hurt I am or how sad this scenario is. I choose joy. I choose to humble myself. And I trust and know God will lift me up when the time is right. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. And my challenge is, go get that this week. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for... Speaking to us through your word, thank you for reminding us that our lives are a mist, that we are in the palm of your hand, and that you, you, you are uh, so worthy of our praise. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus humbled himself. May we pattern our lives after him and help us this week to be faithful, help us to take this seriously, that we might, uh, that we might look out, uh, not, not just to our interests, but to the interests of of those around us, I thank you, Lord, for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys, and see you next week.